your sequel sucks. It sucks. Your sequel sucks. It just really sucks. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Your Sequel Sucks, a show where each and every week we dive into how the entertainment industry couldn't leave well enough alone, and they decided to craft just a little shit show after your favorite titles. As always, I'm Nick Evans, and I'm here with the stunning, with the stupendous, with the astroglide from my heart, Luke Ladley. <laughs> what is up, Nicky? What is going on, brother? Oh, you know, I'm... uh. Living the dream because a little disclaimer here, everybody. This is the third fucking time we have done this episode. Can't kill this crow. It won't die. It, it keeps rising back up as if it has mysterious powers and we have to keep watching this fucking horrible movie. But anyway, how's your week been? <laughs> Week's been pretty good. Dreading this moment all week. Right, you know, up to it's been pretty good. Uh, my week's been pretty good, man. We are another week closer to these new consoles. The fucking video game nerd in me is excited, yes. ecstatic. We got PS5 and Xbox Series X coming, so I cannot wait. Um, and that's it, man. Get one one uh, week closer to uh, closing this fucking shit show of a year out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am so pumped about new consoles. I literally, like, every single day, I just want to throw my fucking Xbox One in the garbage and start <laughs> over again. I'm not going to because, you know, we paid a lot of money for that, but still. <laughs> so so real quick, I just got to say, Pucasto, you had a little something special happen this week. A little something, little something that makes me want to say, happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> wait what happened no my <laughs> yes it was my birthday thank you very much very much i am one year closer to just not being here on this miserable existence and uh that is really the best gift of all <laughs> well, <laughs> well not to not to you know make things any worse but uh you know this week we have possibly the most disrespectful cash grab shit show of all time um i've said this three times now so it's not gonna hit but this is the movie equivalent of courtney love selling nirvana t-shirts in 1995 so <laughs> so luke what did we watch this week oh boy well what we did was we watched the uh the 1996 uh masterpiece the crow city of angels Anybody out there who clicked on the episode and you were just like, I've never seen it, but I'm going to listen to them. Stop what you're doing. Go on YouTube. Watch it. It's not good. Don't pay for it. Do not pay for it. it. Get it on YouTube. Don't purchase this. Don't reward anybody for what they did. Yes. As you will find out, the director and writer do not want you to pay for this. So don't pay for it. 
they clearly do not. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we dive too far in, I do want to say that uh, real quick, you know, we're two episodes in. We're on our third episode right now, and the response has just been amazing. It's I, I can't believe how many listens we're getting i can't believe how many active listeners we have um internationally i mean we're we're all over the fucking place apparently which is pretty sweet yeah that's kind of shocking uh this past week we kind of uh, uh quote unquote came out of the podcast closet and we you know officially revealed uh on our personal social medias that we're doing this podcast and uh the support has been really awesome the surge in listeners has been awesome like nick said the fact that we have people internationally listening to the show is unbelievable. The numbers literally keep growing and uh, you know, we're just super excited and uh, we got a lot of passion for this project and we are looking forward to the future with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm honestly hoping that one day we do better movies, but I guess it's not really the theme. So, you know, there's a lot of bad ones to get through (laughs) (laughs) and they keep getting worse because this is the worst one we've done so far. Yeah. This one's not good. Uh, This one made me miss RoboCop three. Oh yeah, RoboCop three. I could literally look at and say, it's it's almost so bad, it's good. It's almost has that flair to it. This doesn't. No, no. This was the one where for the other ones it was you know you laugh and you write your notes. And this was the one where I was watching this movie. And my wife was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Work." You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just not good. <laughs> no, no, it's not. This this entire time of watching that movie, which you know, because again. We had to re-record this three times because this episode just would not fucking work out. Um, I had to almost rewatch the full thing, and about thirty minutes in, I was like, "No, this is like going to like a high school play because your friend is in it, and you're like, I guess I'll fucking support this." I I, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I I told you it was like uh you know I watched the movie the first time. I was like, "Fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> Fool me twice, no, no." <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did, and we'll we'll get into the uh, the original film and stuff. But I did see this movie before, and I blocked it out. I blocked it out like horrible trauma, and I left that shit buried. And rewatching this, I did not remember anything. And then at the end, I was like, "Oh, that's right. This thing is just dog shit." <laughs> I wish I could have remembered that at the beginning. Oh man, that could have saved me some time. Oh yeah, I'll never get back these moments of my life when I'm when I'm laying there, you know, on my deathbed, which is probably coming pretty soon. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be replaying my life, and it's gonna take a fucking hour and a half pause to just replay this movie in my mind. <laughs> Whatever so, it may fast forward to, seconds, milliseconds, it's too much. It's too much. So, Luke, real quick, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about? your connection with like the original film before we get into your horrible newfound connection with this film. I mean, essentially the first one is a good movie. Like, you know, I I feel like people generally like the first one. You can't, you can't bring up the first one without, you know, bringing up the tragedy of Brandon Lee and that horrible unneeded onset accident. Um, But you know, it was actually went over pretty good. I remember when it came out, like the big thing with that movie was, you know, it was that morbid curiosity where you're watching it and you're like, what was the scene that it happened? You know, where, where did he get shot and stuff? But you set that stuff aside. You generally had a pretty cool, dark, you know, new movie. And uh, that one, that's kind of where it should have ended until, you know, 1996. But that's pretty much my connection with the first one. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely should have ended for, for me. You know, I didn't, I didn't see this movie until senior year of high school. Like I didn't see it till like, Oh, eight, Oh nine. And, uh, you know, I kept putting it off because I thought it, 
uh, the original Crow. I put this one off for good reason, but the original movie, I, I kept putting it off because I thought it looked a little bit maybe cheesy or maybe a little bit corny, you know, because I only saw like images of Brandon Lee and like the, the black costume and everything. And I was like, okay, it's just going to be one of these movies. Um, so eventually I actually watched it and I just couldn't believe how good it was like that. You know, I missed out on something that everybody else for years was talking about, you know, this is great. This is so cool. And I was like, nah, man, this is hot topic bullshit, um, yeah. <laughs> which is funny because, you know, fucking 2009, I was into hot topic bullshit like 2009. It started, was, I'm wearing it, baby. <laughs> exactly, bro. Like I was going in there. I got the black pants. I got the under oath t-shirt. Like I was in <laughs> topic in 09 and I just. I just let the crow go. Um, what's your What's your take on like the whole Brandon Lee thing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's fucking horrible. It's pretty it's bad. My, yeah, I my my overall take is that this movie should have been buried with him because it's <laughs> it's like the, the crow is such a good movie that the idea of taking this movie. And putting it there and saying, like, remember that guy who died and did an excellent job? What if we tried to recreate that, but, like, we just fucked it up? <laughs> it's it's kind of that on the head. I mean, the overall accident itself and the tragedy itself will still always blow my mind. I, I don't know who decided to bring a live-ass weapon with live-ass rounds to the movie set the day they shoot, like... What did you think? You were going to stop an armed robbery in the middle of shooting? What was the point of having live... Nikki, that's the equivalent of a director filming a plane crash scene by crashing an actual plane. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Like, and like, what is the director doing? He's like, oh, boy, better get this right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're about to go into the original Crow movie uh, with that information on there, but that's the thing is, for whatever reason apparently in the 90s so this is like pretty much modern time this is the fucking 90s it's not yeah, that 94. long ago no yeah for some reason there was nothing to check prop guns there was nothing there was no standard there was pretty much like you shoot it and you hope that nothing comes out the other end <laughs> like what was the guy doing like the, the director was like action he was like oh shit we're we're filming now oh hold on hold on hold on i'm gonna take these out like yeah. why, would, why did you show up there to yeah. live ass rounds and like you know i know we're we're making jokes because that's what we are we're, we're jokey guys but you know I, it's still it's still tragic it still should oh yeah happened. absolutely and it's it's just one of those things where like it would have i don't know five minutes five minutes to check the prop gun and check the bullets and realize like shit there's a live round that's just trapped inside the barrel and if we shoot a blank it's gonna propel that shit out of the gun <laughs> <laughs> but no so so let's do this so uh the Crow, the first movie, it's a cult classic film released in uh, 1994. It's based off of a graphic novel of the same name, which was written by uh, James O'Barr. So James O'Barr, you know, oddly enough, also had a lot of tragedy, which inspired him to write this, where his uh, fiance had died in a car accident. She was hit by a drunk driver and she died and the driver lived. So he was very angry and he wrote this from the perspective of if he died too, how could he kind of get revenge? So horrible, was, by the way. Exactly. Yeah, that's absolutely horrible. So that was the place he was coming from. So it already has like a pretty serious, a pretty dark tone to it. And then the movie uh, gets picked up um, by Paramount to actually make it into a film. Um, it was directed by Alex Proyas, um, who would 
later go on to direct other critically acclaimed films like Dark City and iRobot. You know, and I think by now you guys realize the movie star is Brandon Lee. If for some fucking reason you don't know, he's the son of Bruce Lee. We get it. <laughs> he's the son of Bruce Lee. Um, also, people forget Ernie Hudson's in it. Tony Todd is in it. Michael Wincott. And they all do great performances. Yeah. Let's uh, not spend too much time because you guys should. If you click on this fucking episode, you know that Brandon Lee died. You know it. So. No spoilers there. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, during the filming, it was actually during the final steps of filming, but this would actually be the act, the opening of the movie, uh, the scene where Eric Draven actually dies. They used a prop gun loaded with blanks, and it was fired at Lee during the filming, but it dislodged a previous bullet shell that was trapped in the barrel, as we were saying before, and nobody's checking these. And it shot out at the same force of an actual bullet, <laughs> and struck him in the abdomen and he was fatally wounded he died in the hospital um again there's no way you don't go into it so we're or you don't know it we're not gonna keep sitting here and harping on this tons of other podcasts go into the life of brandon lee and this movie we're talking about the bad one the shit the shit one yeah don't <laughs> don't forget what you clicked on <laughs> um the the only benefit that came of this because, you know, Brandon Lee did an excellent job in the movie. He probably would have had a big career afterward, but it did inspire a movement for all studios to create new protocols on prop gun safety. I just can't get over the fact that it's the fucking nineties and you don't already have that in place. It took till then all those movies that they had like firefights and gunfights and like Rambo and shit. They're like, you know what we should have been doing? Like it, it took right? till then for them to finally decide that like, it's wild, about- man. Like when I when I first found that out, I was like, holy shit, think about like the spray of bullets that takes place in something like Predator and nobody <laughs> was checking that shit. <laughs> Bro, you go back and you watch those again, you're like, wait, did you is that like you don't know <laughs> like I like at that point you watch all those movies that took place before the crow and you wonder like how many live rounds were accidentally shot out and nobody caught it. <laughs> you, you watch got some real fucking daredevils over here, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so so um during production james obar the comic book writer uh worked closely with the team on set to really hone in on the characters he spent a lot of time with brandon lee a lot of time with alex Broyas, and we'll get back into the fact that they wanted james obar to come back and help with city of angels uh well good for him he didn't you know how depressing so- that must have been for him like the crow is based off like his fiance dying so he does the first one then Brandon dies, then he comes back a second. He's like, I'm just tired of people dying. Like he hasn't yeah. he just doesn't and, want to be there. Yeah, and then you know, he has the entire studio looking at him and they're like, We know you're tired of dying, but what if we just <laughs> one more? One more for the road, three strikes and you're out. <laughs> if someone dies this time, I swear it's over. I swear last time. <laughs> So the film was still released following Brandon Lee's death, but Paramount dropped out just before the release, claiming the content was too graphic given the inappropriate onset death, which to an extent they were right, but it does obviously go on to be a big movie. So Miramax swoops in shitty Miramax who will come up again and again in these episodes, along with certain other figures, which we'll save that reveal for later. A lot of shady activities going on there. Oh yeah. So Miramax comes in, they, uh, I think, pick up the rights. I had down that they picked it up for $8 million. I'm not sure how correct that number is, um, but they push it for a full theatrical run just in time to get it out there, and it's a total sleeper hit. It grosses over $50 million on a $23 million budget um, wow. and $140 million worldwide. 
Yeah, that's it, that's big. It crushes. Yeah, it crushes. It it grows more than Natural Born Killers, Angels in the Outfield, The Jungle Book, and uh, you know, 1994 was a big year for movies. So yeah, it Pulp did... Fiction, man, fucking. Oh yeah, bro, Pulp Fiction beats it out. The Lion King, Forrest Gump. And Robert De Niro's Frankenstein. Oh my God! My Frankenstein got nipples, Clark. My Frankenstein got nipples. <laughs> I still like he came off from like Goodfellas, not that far after, and he's like, I could be Frankenstein. Like I can't imagine he was that hard off for money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Max, yeah, this is this is where we're getting into it, people. Uh, Miramax commissions a sequel almost immediately after the film's release. Pretty much Brandon Lee was fresh in the ground and they were like, hey, give me another one. Give me another one. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, so horrible. Yeah. But you know what? They do that. And at the same time, they tack on. We only got 13 million this time, though. That's all you got to work with. But we want another one. Make it just as good without the star. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do your best. So (laughs) they start production in mid-1995 with, here we go, legendary pieces of shit, Bob and Harvey (laughs) Weinstein. Oh, pops up. God, that is such a fucking theme in these movies is you want to make a bad movie? Hire some gross people. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to fucking blow your minds with the shit we do. (laughs) (laughs) and uh in typical fashion they bring on a relatively unknown director tim pope now luke what do you got on tim pope i think he did a short film called pound or something very forgettable it's phone ah still a piece of shit so they hire him with no backing and remember this is already very uh fragile ground we're walking on with the death of brandon lee you have this massive franchise that you're trying to get off the ground and turn into this big thing and you hire tim pope um starting off not good not good got to strike out right away not good but but pook they did get a writer that i know you're very familiar with they bring on david goyer that one's kind of shocking. Yeah, David Goyer, uh, if you folks don't know, he is a very accredited writer, okay? He did the Dark Knight trilogy with Christopher Nolan. He did the Blade trilogy. Um, he even wrote Call of Duty Black Ops 1 and 2, the stories, and those are kind of, like, like well-known to be, like, the best stories. Um, so he can cross paths with that, and then he, I believe he's also the producer of uh, what's going to be the new upcoming Hellraiser reboot. I mean, should we talk about now how they feel about this? Just to put it out there since we're already on Goyer. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Absolutely right. Before we get into it. Um, so <laughs> David Goyer goes on to publicly disown this movie. Let me tell you something. When you have a resume like David Goyer, you could just be like, oh, I was young. I wrote that, whatever. Do you know how bad you have to hate something? to publicly disown it where if someone's like hey david gore did you write that no like do you know how bad like as a grown adult to hate something so bad or like hey did you do this wasn't me like that, that shit is wild to mind nick i haven't hated anything enough to disown it and i had to write a song for an amateur mma league where i had to use the lyrics ground pound and i didn't disown it <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think I've hated anything enough to disown it. And he wants nothing to do with this. Tim Pope as well. And that's going to set you guys up for this wild 90-minute journey. Going right in, you know, again, you already know that David Goyer, he has he has the talent to pull it off. Tim Pope, maybe not, but, you know, Tim Pope does his best. Um, <laughs> he doesn't go off to do more movies, people. So, <laughs> There's not another one. So, so apparently the script is wonky right off the bat because the original plot was centered around Sarah, the young girl from the first film, coming back as the crow herself, and it would star musician Tori Amos. Which is um, a little weird. And she and she turned down the role. So let's put that into perspective. Tori Amos was known for doing um mall tours. So she looked at this script and was like, listen, I get a really sick deal at Wetzel's Pretzels and I get 10% off Sears in the shoes. I'm gonna stick to the mall tours. <laughs> I mean <laughs> that, that's how unappealing this was to her. She probably knew that she would gross more money playing in the local fucking cafes than playing in this movie. Um <laughs> That idea is scrapped. They do get rid of it, but they come back with this idea for a prequel taking place in 19th century London where the crow would fight Jack the Ripper. Uh... I made up the Jack the Ripper part, but the 19th century London is a fucking, it's 100% correct. <laughs> All you did with Jack the Ripper was enhance what that movie could have been. Holy right? At least, I, at least I gave a villain. <laughs> uh, that idea was also scrapped in favor of. Um, a story about two brothers dying at the hands of a gang in Los Angeles. And they would later switch that to a father and son. Now this is a little bit back and forth because they say that it was because, you know, a bond between a father and son is a lot more than two brothers. But a lot of the things did come out and say that they just liked both actors and their ages were too far apart. So, and I almost believe that. I mean, I think that that, knowing everything else in this movie they were like oh we're not gonna get anybody else just fucking go with it (laughs) just do Um, it (laughs) now oddly enough the goal was to be as far from the original uh movie out of respect as possible they did not want to um impede on that territory they did not want to tarnish the legacy of that film they wanted to make a brand new film that the only common denominator would be a fucking crow a bird they do get rid of that idea (laughs) every time one step forward two steps back one step forward two steps back yeah and what's crazy is due to the clout of the original film you know especially with the music industry they were able to pull off some big bigger names considering the fact that everybody come out of the crow had a big name so this soundtrack for this one was nominated i think for like a billboard award like it was nominated for like best soundtrack which is crazy, you know? They not only did they get an incredible soundtrack where they did pull a lot of the people on the first one. I mean, you have White Zombie back on there, you have The Cure back on there. Um, like they really, Iggy Pop also has a song. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Iggy Pop also plays in the movie. Iggy Pop from the Stooges um is one of the antagonists of the movie, and they did want him for the first one, and he turned down the first, the good movie. Bro, Iggy Pop in this movie, like, first of all, Iggy Pop hasn't looked healthy since the womb, but in this movie, he looks like Kellyanne Conway on her way to a Twisted Sister concert. <laughs> it's so disturbing. Yeah, Iggy Pop looks so haggard, and to I think he still looks pretty fucking haggard. Yeah, but... that, that look hasn't changed. I think, like, he's looked the same since the fourth grade. Like, I, I just think that's him. 
<laughs> well, luckily for him, he gets to play alongside the the acting chops of a certain Thomas Jane. Oh my god. The real punishing role of his career. <laughs> it, you know, you look at his body of work and you think like Thomas Jane, the Punisher's probably the the worst it's going to get for you. No, because before that he did this. This is yeah. where, this is his rock bottom and this was one of his first big roles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, just to make matters worse, um, apparently John Bon Jovi was almost cast in the lead role as Ash. <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous every time you say it. This is the third time I have said <laughs> they almost hired John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Dude, and they, what, they, uh, they didn't get him for budgeting, right? Yeah, it was 100% for budgeting. Dude, he was sitting there at that desk. They were, they were telling him the contract. He was like, whoa, you're halfway there. Just keep <laughs> Richie Sambora shining his shoes. They're getting, hey, John, <laughs> JBJ doesn't do nothing for cheap. No, I, I will say if it was John Bon Jovi, I would find this film enjoyable because he's a bad actor. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and not that anybody does a fucking stellar performance in this horrible piece of shit, but it would just be fun to see Bon Jovi. Dude, if we could somehow get a visualization of Tommy working down on the docks, hell yeah. Put some crow paint on it. Let's do it. <laughs> well, instead, they <laughs> instead. <laughs> instead, you know, again, time and time again, Miramax and Weinstein, um, oh they go with another kind of unknown person with uh, Vincent Perez. He was big in Europe. He had a lot of um, like foreign films that were blowing up. And I think they were able to get him on a budget you come over on the boat you do this movie we'll send you back if it's good to come back again <laughs> oh, poor vincent perez and i want to put it out there vincent perez he does his best i think he was he handed shit from the beginning just to put it there and sensitivity is thrown out the fucking window they contacted james obar to come in and write the screenplay with them you know and he came right out and had a very difficult time because of his connection with brandon lee and the death of his own fiance which just kept coming up in his scripts he kept like having to relive those and he just drops out he's like no i think i'm done with this whole crow business. stop calling me everyone is dying every time i do this <laughs> So, you know, good for him that he dropped out. So they get together and they start to make a respectful sequel to a movie that was already, you know, steeped in tragedy. And then Miramax comes in in the final fucking stretch and they demand rewrites and new edits to make it look more like the first movie. Guys, I think what's really amazing. And when Nick mentions re-edits. It's almost like making an entire different movie. It is so much more than re-edit. If you go on like IMDb, you could look at a list of what they cut out that would have made this movie salvageable, would have made this movie coherent, it would have made this movie somewhat watchable. I, I mean, you'd probably still get an episode on your sequel sucks. <laughs> yes. but maybe not all the way up at episode three. And they completely rearranged and, and made this movie into such a shit show. And take, like I said, all logic is taken out of the window. So when you do see the final cut, you really don't know what the fuck is going on for most of it. Nick, the first time we saw this, you thought it was the brother. I thought it was the son. Yeah. For the crew. Oh, like, that's how little it's explained. Right? Like, when I was taking notes on the movie the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't even know who's who at this point. Because everything is so fucking yeah. choppy and crappy. And, you know, I do have, before we go into, like, the scenes of the movie, I will go over some of the scenes they cut out. And for any of you that did watch this, you're going to be like, holy shit, why? 
why yeah. did they get rid of this? Yep. You know? Uh, so we already said that uh, Pope and Goyer completely disowned this movie and they, they didn't slander like it. it. Yeah, they slander it for the edits and the changes. Apparently, right at the final hour, Harvey Weinstein himself threatened to shut down the entire production after it was already completed. And he ultimately cut out 30 entire minutes from the film in favor of these fast cut shots, like taking out actual dialogue, actual pieces of information to replace them with like, you know, they had to do weird kind of mesh together parts in the first movie because Brandon Lee was dead. And they they had to do it and instead in this he was like just do that again <laughs> for reference folks nick said that they cut out uh 30 minutes the movie is 90 minutes in the theatrical release that's a quarter of the movie of storytelling plot development gone and remember when they first uh made this movie that was in there so that's like taking a finished product and pulling a quarter of the movie out unbelievable but more unbelievably, let's get this shit down. It releases Labor Day weekend in 96 and immediately hits number one in the box office. Oh, man. Weekend. It breaks Labor Day fucking <laughs> records at the time. You know how many upset people left there? You know, they're like, I should have went to work. I should have fucking worked. Oh, yeah. Because like it like it instantly ends. Everybody sees it that weekend, I think because of the big name, it is met with horrible reviews and over 50% of its total gross ended on Monday. That was <laughs> it. <laughs> People in the movie uh, are like I want the previews back. Give me the previews back. Show me the snack counter again. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we couldn't really do this in the first two, but now that we actually do have, you know, hundreds of listens, if you are somebody where you saw this in theaters, reach out. Yeah. <laughs> reach out to us i want to know how you felt after you took that first bite of popcorn that opening scene and you were like oh fuck oh no <laughs> oh fuck oh no oh the city skyline looks like kellogg cereal boxes oh shit it's a fourth grade oh. diorama no <laughs> <laughs> oh god i mean it, it does sit at a well-earned 13 percent on rotten tomatoes so Ooh. you know we're not the only ones who think this movie's bad and uh <laughs> so so i have to put it out there what i was like looking up i try and look up like you know um consumer reviews like people who have bought this on amazon like in the past five past ten years anybody who's gotten this movie and was able to leave a review for it so many people start off their reviews by saying this is not a bad movie and i think it's almost laughable why are you defending it so hard that you have to you know but if i'm gonna buy this fucking blu-ray i don't want to look down and the first thing is all caps this is not a bad movie yeah that leads me to believe it's a bad movie yeah <laughs> listen you spend 7.99 you feel a little silly the snacks were better than the movie itself be honest about it tell us what you saw let us know if other people around you were like good movie <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie i'm happy we saw this <laughs> uh, oh, shit. so just to double down on how poorly handled and disrespectful this movie was treated miramax released a straight to dvd director's cut of the movie that claimed to have in all of pope and goyer's original visions and all of the original uh footage but and did they have that nikki what was no, it, in it was there? total bullshit they fucking <laughs> they straight up lied it was 10 minutes of extended footage that was entirely made up of cgi flying crows and more of ash on a motorcycle because they um. they scrapped all the footage that harvey weinstein had them pull they threw out that night they did not have anything wow. to go off of wow that's crazy man 
Yeah. They uh, fuck you twice. You get fucked in the theater, you get fucked in the home release. They don't care. Let's get into, real quick, Pope and uh, Goyer's original story. Because, obviously, Mia Kirshner it plays Sarah. Sarah from the first movie, the little girl. Mia Kirshner plays her as somebody who left the the first movie took place in detroit i actually always thought it took place in seattle because they don't actually say anything well the rain yeah because the rain because you know it can't rain all the time that whole shit so she leaves and goes to los angeles um to be a tattoo artist for whatever reason uh they don't dive into that but neither does she apparently we you get to see a little bit of the skills oh and it's bad so (laughs) (laughs) so the whole idea is that She's over there and she has this connection to the crow and because she remembers um, Eric, she remembers all the events that happened when she was a kid in the beginning of the movie where it's all choppy and weird. And she's having this weird dream and a crow comes through a window and all of a sudden she just knows instinctively that this fucking dead dude's going to come back to life. That is different. They spend a lot more time, you know, with her like reliving all of the events kind of in a, in a very respectful way coming out about the whole Eric Draven thing and about what happened and understanding it's going to happen again, which Um, would have been critical for the viewer watching city of angels, because then you would fully understand that character. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Instead, you just get this random person going to a dock and fishing out a dead body and sleeping on the floor with them. That's what (laughs) you start painting his face. It yeah. just starts painting his face, and he comes out of the water. A guy who's literally, technically, a zombie, and he just goes to this random person's house. He's like, "Hey, thanks, I appreciate it." And then she just starts painting his face one night, and there's no context to this relationship, and it's just awkward. No, it's so awkward, and that's a whole other part that they cut out of this movie. Was you know, first off, she has a much bigger role in his whole story. So in the movie, he like storms out of the apartment and he's holding his stomach and bleeding a lot for some reason, but they don't show you why it's because in the original cut, he refuses to believe that he's dead and he wants to know where his son is. And she stabs him to prove that he's immortal and that he is dead. They take that out. So you don't see that she's actually trying to help him along. They take out all of the romance scenes between them, all of the dialogue that builds up this relationship. So by the end, when you're sitting there as, as a viewer and you're saying like, Oh, you know, these two people, are they in love? What's going on with them? You Makes don't no get sense. that at the end of this movie. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So. You're wondering like, why does, why did they have such a close connection? Why is he putting all this emotion towards her? Because for the 90 minutes prior, there's nothing that explains that. There's nothing that even there's more chemistry in a fucking match.com meetup than, than these two. Absolutely. And I think that that's a critical thing they took out along with, you know, the, the villain of the movie, um, Judah, so he is supposed to have this short scene where it goes into like him dying. And when he dies, it's a, it's a brief glimpse of him being like tortured in like kind of like a hell type of area. They're very vague about what that is. And that's why he's so kind of demented and he's a little bit out there and he acts like he's not really part of that world. Um, and that's why he's also obsessed with the idea of the crow. They scrap all of that so late but they kept in his lines about like when people are like oh go to hell and he's like i was already there and i like what i saw like they kept that shit in so it just sounds corny at that point it just sounds corny because you know once again you have no context to that so you're like wait are you just trying to be dark and and gothy because you just sound like an asshole you know exactly Exactly. And, you know, the last thing I'll put, because they, they changed a lot. You guys can go on. You can find, like, the original scripts versus this one. You could find what Goyer and Pope has said. The last one is, like, the ending. So 
the original ending of this movie, which I thought would be good. I like a dark ending instead of a fucking happy ending. The original ending of this movie was, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this yet, uh, Sarah dies. She's fucking dead. Dead. Um, so Sarah dies. His son is dead. And at the end of the movie, he still um, retains enough of the powers of the crow that he can't die. And he has to, like walk los angeles or the world i guess but los angeles in this movie he has to walk <laughs> there forever immortal um not able to be with the people who who died around him and that's like his big thing and he has a big scene about how you know los angeles is full of lost shadows what's one more and then it was supposed to end with like that that he can't die and he's forever like trapped there but they took that out in favor of uh, a happy ending which i just i don't fucking get i don't yeah. understand that but i don't know what there is that you would see in the crow that would be like this is just a wholesome flick like it's not a happy movie this is not something you would admire and be like i wish that happened to me like no one says that when you see the crow like so i don't i i really don't understand that mindset or why they would try and do it like that (laughs) no not at all oh let's get into this movie Um, starting right off movie opens up it's a shitty shot of a crow flying over shitty Los Angeles. None of it looks good. Oh, man, that city looks bad, Nick. That city looks bad. It it looks like they had the $13 million budget. They didn't spend a fucking dime of it there. No, nah, it looks like when you get those, uh, those birthday cards as a kid and you open it up and Superman's flying through the city and the buildings are popping up on the card. That's what that city looks like. That is exactly what it looks like. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it's horrible. It's not good. Oh, my God. It is the perfect goth birthday card. <laughs> so... So flash cut Sarah, she's sleeping. She's fucking freaking out or whatever in her dreams. Crow shows up. She immediately wants to go to the docks and uh, Ash who dies, uh, him and his son were killed by gang members. Iggy pop, man, that son, I tell you, I, I, you can't take that. I don't know who decided to dress up this four year old, like little kid. Uh, oh, I know sure. who decided. <laughs> <laughs> The little kid shirtless with a leather vest on. He looks like a little ass member of the village people. Like, I want to know what creepy casting director, like, looked at this little kid and was like, put him in the leather. Like, who, who the hell thought yeah. of that? I, uh, the costumes are overall in this movie are really bad, but when it's I saw belly that, button showing, it's a little midriff leather vest. When I saw what that kid was wearing, I was like, what the fuck? Like, what year is this? <laughs> Bro, the bottom half, he's dressed like Oliver Twist with short pants. And the top half, he's dressed like he's from Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> it's such a mind fuck. It's ridiculous. You know, no wonder he died. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Ash and his son, they die because the fucking they're literally in the shop and the kid is like painting and those paints come back because Sarah paints his face with the child's paint. But you don't get that, by the way. That's also cut out from this movie. So it's just her randomly painting this fucking stranger's face. <laughs> so they're in like this mechanic shop and there are gunshots outside. Now, I have to assume this is Los Angeles and there's gunshots all the time outside. Especially in the I 90s. Have, yeah, I have a, I have kids. My four-year-old would not hear gunshots, and then this is a quote from the movie. The kid turns around and goes, what was that? And runs towards it. <laughs> he fucking runs towards the gunshot. And uh... <laughs> so something else that doesn't make sense is they come upon this gang who apparently just shot this guy. But they – so if you shoot somebody, they're, they're dead typically unless you're – you know, you missed the shot. But you hear the gunshot. You go out. The guy's laying on the ground, so you assume he's dead. But they're still, like, jumping him. 
So that doesn't make any sense either. But yeah, this gang decides to kill this father and son because they saw them jumping somebody regardless. Iggy Um, Pop don't play around. Iggy Pop don't play around. Iggy Iggy (laughs) Pop, you know, he he got a bunch of coke for doing this movie and he was like, I'm going to use it. So, (laughs) so, so, you know, they're tied they're bound up with like rope and barbed wire from i don't know why barbed wire and they're thrown into the water and they sink all the way to the bottom uh flash forward sarah comes up to the dock to you know what the hell's happening this crow is leading me which you don't get you just see her fucking see a crow and be like ah this means something so they (laughs) go to the dock and when i tell you this man when i tell you my man ash Freeze from the barbed wire, leaves his fucking son in the water, and flies out like Jesus. Watch the movie. He's not lying. He's not lying. It's biblical. It's unbelievable. It's you know how we like ended the Robocop three by saying that like the vision of uh director Paul Verhoeven for the first one was all about you know, it's about Jesus. This movie was about Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So he flies up out of the fucking water and Sarah apparently knowing what this is all about drags the corpse onto the dock puts him in the car brings him home sleeps on the floor next to him once again as a viewer you don't know what the fuck is going on because none of the context was put in before this so you're just seeing these fleeting images to go on this this probably goes to what tim pope's strengths were this movie feels like a 90 minute music video and that's really all tim pope knew because you know, in a music video where it's like, you know, three to four minutes condensed, you got to rush a story in, a lot of fleeting images along that. That's this for the entire movie. It's just images, yes. block, 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 block until you get to the end. And you you really go on a fucking whirlwind ride. Yeah, you absolutely do. Because from here, you know, it's <clears throat> it's basically The Crow all over again. It's The Crow takes place in Los Angeles. So this movie was fucking titled perfectly because... <laughs> Ash is back. He's wearing the the black clothes. He's got his fucking face painted. And now he's going to start one by one picking off all the people that killed him until he gets to the to the leader, the person who apparently ordered the hit. Uh, so, you know, the first <laughs> every time you breathe, like, it's like, oh, fuck, just get through. This movie sucks. Oh, just get through. It. So the first death is a, isn't that bad. I just know where this is going. So he drops in through the fucking the chemical where this the dude working in there was going to die anyway. So Ash drops into the chemical warehouse full of these like hazard tanks. And this person is like playing with fire and making drugs in this fucking explosive warehouse. I guess he didn't um, get the note on PPE because he is uh, he's not following any protocol. It's hard. No, no. OSHA <laughs> is all over that place. <laughs> they, they're fucking stop. They're banging on the door. And uh so Ash goes in, he says some a bunch of corny lines. It's it's the crow, and that's kind of the whole premise is that he's back from the dead, he's playing this Joker character, so he's gonna like put in these little lines. Um so he does his his little joke lines, he does like a card trick thing with him, and then obviously he kills the guy because that's the part of the movie. That kill doesn't really matter to me. That that first guy is literally just to set up the idea that he's gonna go around killing in this movie. The second one is the Thomas Jane scene. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'll tell you, you get to see Thomas Jane in a light Thomas Jane doesn't want to see himself in. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas Jane, uh, which I forgot his fucking name in this movie, by the way. Hold I got to I gotta find this because I believe it it's is Nemo. It's Nemo. That's right. <laughs> I believe it's Nemo. And let me tell you, folks, this is not how you want to find Nemo. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, 
he is in a little peep show room, all sweaty faced, really getting into it. And he's just bopping his baloney. He's going as hard as he can. And um, he uh, stops getting the show through the glass uh, because the crow shows up in front of him. And I don't know if Thomas Jane finishes. He seems like a guy who would knock the job out. Uh, I know his wig falls off and it's very Ronald McDonald esque. Uh, but yeah, then he, he wanted to reshoot that. Just so yeah. we could talk about that wig, he wanted to reshoot that scene, and they were like, leave it in. It's funny. Yeah. It's not a funny movie. <laughs> not a funny movie. We just watched this guy fucking escape out of water and barbed wire and come back from the dead, and you're like, you know what? We need a good laugh right about now. I feel yeah, like we've, yeah. we've been weighed down enough. Give us a good laugh. And our our comic relief is Thomas Jane. Now, I don't ever find just Thomas Jane whacking it. Just, yeah, he's whack. It's a very realistic masturbation scene. Very realistic. Um, so he dies. <laughs> uh, working your way down the list, uh, you you get to now Thu Trang, who plays uh, Kali in the film. She's actually, now it's not clear to me at least whether she shot the son or she shot Ash. I know Iggy Pop killed one and she killed the other. Um, but she does fine. She's actually like a, a great, she was a great actress. She also had a tragic death following this movie. And this was her last film, which I feel horrible about. Yeah. You guys uh, may know her as she was the yellow Ranger in the original power Rangers. You know, she, for this movie, she comes in and she is a trained martial artist, kind of like Brandon Lee was in the first movie. But the whole idea of this one is that Ash is not a martial <clears throat> artist. Like Eric Draven was Ash is this like rough and tough mechanic. Who's just going to, punch kind of more, yeah kind of more like a street fighter type of hustler type exactly vibe. exactly they want to go for the gritty and you know david goyer he does go for the gritty so that's what they wanted they didn't want the high flying stuff but thu trang is a very accomplished uh martial artist so she wanted to kind of showcase it a little bit and they wanted to capitalize on the fact that they had a real fighter that could actually like do these crazy choreographed scenes so they go into what i consider to be one of the worst fucking fight scenes i've ever seen <laughs> what's funny <laughs> Which, too is like Tim Pope had something planned and I guess she convinced him to change it. And that yeah. they ended up ultimately going with her scene. And uh, that probably wasn't a good way to go. That wasn't a good way to go. And I understand that she wants to show off the fact that she's put in countless years of work, but in this movie where everything else is very, just, it's a lot of shooting. It's a lot of punching. It's not like high flying, like you're dodging kicks and stuff. It's not happening in this. You're movie. not bringing out your saber tooth Megazord. Like there's things that are going to be different. Yeah, like, again, this is not RoboCop 3. You're not bringing out the fucking, you're not bringing out the ninja fights and shit. But, you know, again, Thu Trang wanted it in the movie, and they, they went with it. And it is a, a poorly done scene. Um, Not because of her. It's actually because of fucking Vincent Perez, because he's not a not a trained fighter, but they kept fucking him in the movie. So he's sitting there just taking hits and taking hits, and eventually he just throws her out of a window. Yep. <laughs> so talk Very about anticlimactic. Yes. Oh, jinx. Look at this. <laughs> so... so yeah, that's a, a, a poorly done ending to that fight. Real quick, um, Goyer and Pope had a different ending to that fight. Same thing, thrown out the window. Uh, she lays bleeding in the street. She begs Ash to kill her, and Ash walks away as she drowns in her own blood, which is a very violent, cool kind of take on it. The original one, they wanted her to get jumped and sexually assaulted by gang members when she falls out the window. Oh, I Weinstein. I am so glad that didn't make it into the movie because this actress deserves a lot better than that. Oh, this is her, Weinstein. Like, obviously they didn't know this was going to be her send off movie, but Jesus Christ, I, I just can't imagine where they were like sitting down and they're like, let's add that in. Cause this movie isn't fucked up enough. Yeah. Like so, when you're, you're coming up with like the different 
like you know way that you're going to kill people off in these movie scenes. Who the fuck was at the table and put? How about rape to death? Yeah. That's never a popular like, one. That's never a that good is, one. That is absolutely the wrong path. They did not put it in. And you know, right before the final, not the final showdown, but in my eyes, is the final showdown because it's Iggy Pop, and technically he was he's kind of playing the main villain, even though we know the main villain is Judah. Yeah, um, it's a weird little thing. He's like the main villain's lieutenant kind of deal, but yeah. Yeah, exactly, because he's the one who actually carried it out. So they're they're building up to this. Um, so finally. Ash decides, like, oh, remember my rotting son in the fucking bottom of the water? I should probably <laughs> pull his ass out of there. <laughs> so you go, you get a very brief. They're trying to like make Ash more human. They're trying to like build that humanity and build that kind of loss inside of him. Um, it's so rushed. It's yeah. so rushed. Yeah. So it, it feels out of place. Like, and that's why it's it's fucking hard to follow this movie. Like, Nick, I remember me and you couldn't even like remember names of characters, and it's not like we weren't paying attention. We were watching this movie for the purpose of talking about it for like an hour. It's just yeah. that hard to follow and that messy. And you're right. That scene feels so rushed and out of place. It's like, wait, did I press fast forward? Like, did I press yeah. rewind? Why am I looking at this right now? Like, where is, like, I, I am sure that in the original one, they had some type of mourning, some type of like long, sad scene. But in this, it just feels like, it feels like a side quest. It feels like he's like, ah, Real quick, boss fight's coming up. I just got to go get more experience. <laughs> I'm going to go and I'm going to get my son out of the water. I'm going to bury him and then I'm going to fight Iggy Pop. Dead sorrow plus seven dexterity. <laughs> <laughs> well, Iggy Pop, otherwise known as Curve. I forgot his name is Curve. Oh, Curve. And the first, the first death is Spider Monkey. So none of these names are good. <laughs> <laughs> they sound so, like Genesis characters. <laughs> they really do. So, you know, the fight happens with Iggy Pop. And it is, God, what an awful, again, anticlimactic. You had this big fight with, with Thu Trang, right? This big fight. Iggy Pop scene feels like they, they ran out of money right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it is, it's basically something that you wouldn't think your hero of the story does. He walks into a bar and it's like this fucking open fire, everybody's shooting everywhere scene. Iggy Pop, who has a gun, decides to get on a motorcycle and go away and then ash gets on a motorcycle and chases him and then they play chicken with motorcycles not using the weapon not yet yeah so i mean the crow eventually sits there he takes the gun he he blows up his gas tank right and this is what's funny so he blows up curves uh gas tank there uh you know curve iggy pop flies in the sky and he starts dragging him to his death the the whole time Iggy Pop has like a loaded nine millimeter sitting there in his belt loop completely view. Like you've seen Iggy Pop uses this gun like three or four times in the movie already. And he's like, he's just so defeated and given up. And like, it's so like poorly written. Like it's like, he's at the end of the movie. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got me. Yeah, I'm done. Like he yeah. just gets willingly drugged to his death. Yeah, and that's the thing is, so a gunshot blows up your motorcycle, but it couldn't do the same to this one. I Yeah whatever i'm not saying that you have to kill the main character of the movie i'm just saying that it's a little bit flawed just so don't put the gun on him yeah just yeah that's your scene is done if like as he's getting dragged you just do a quick shot of the gun flying off his hip boom yeah you you did it or the crow takes it from him yeah yep anything would have been better so getting back to judah now who's the big bad just like in the first movie the big bad isn't really doing all that much but you know they have to go after him so Judah is a drug dealer and he is the world's worst fucking drug dealer because his drugs are killing people 
and he, you know his dealers are coming up saying like hey we don't want to push this stuff because like our clients are dying and he's like i don't care put it out anyway which usually, is usually the goal usually you want to get them hooked and return customers not hooked then dead you kind of yeah. uh, shorten up your customer base there yeah and then he goes on to kill one of his main dealers which also <laughs> just blows my you know, like i feel like a dealer coming to the head drug dealer you know, coming to the boss and saying like, hey, this product is a little bit flawed. It's supposed to be. I don't know the drug world, but I'm guessing that's a good thing. I'm guessing it's a good thing. So your boss is like, oh, shit, I didn't know because you don't get high on your own supply. So how would he know? So <laughs> I, I have no idea. But yeah, he kills him. And Judah's big thing with the crow is he has like this witch lady with him who is not really explained. Not at all. Of, yeah. Who's giving him insights about what's happening. Um. I think it's supposed to be, do you remember like the witch lady from the first movie and she gets her eyeballs ripped out by the crow? Is this um, this iteration she, maybe? Yeah. That's uh. what I was thinking is um, in the first movie, she, uh, she gets her eyeballs ripped out because, you know, the whole thing of the movie is she's killing people and collecting their eyes for whatever fucking reason. That's not, they don't go into it. Um, I feel like in this one, they're trying to hint that it's maybe the same person as she survived because she has like the cloak down. It's, I don't know. Either way, Judah's big thing is, you know, Sarah is a tattoo artist and she tattooed a crow on one of his people. Now, she didn't tattoo a crow. This person brought in a fucking design. That's how tattoo shops work. You bring in a design. You don't just say, like, go wild. You you don't lay down there. And tattoos, folks, I mean, if you guys don't know, uh, you go to our social media. Me and Nick are heavily tattooed men. Uh, we know a little bit about getting uh, the old neat little skin. And I will tell you what, you don't sit on a table and then look down two hours later and be like, ah, fuck, why'd you do that one? Like, you know what you're getting. You don't just randomly get a fucking crow tattooed on you. And that's how this guy acted. He's like, oh, she fucking targeted me. Uh, no, bro, you picked that off the rack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's not like Sarah is doing these tattoos out of her house either. It's a fucking shop. There's other people working there. There's actual equipment. But so like... <laughs> It's again, it's you know, protocols were taken. You knew what you got halfway through the tattoo, you knew what you were getting. Nikki, can you imagine it? Like the next time you get tattooed, you look down, you're like, ah, oh, I didn't want it to be that one. Like, right? <laughs> like, like, I go, I go get tattooed, and I finally go get that Robocop tattoo we talked about in the first episode, and I'm and I'm all done, and I'm like, oh god, is that Predator? <laughs> <laughs> That's the second predator in this in this one, people. So yep. just to put that out there, maybe yeah. in the future we'll do a predator. Oh, I, I, thought, I thought the first predator was Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the second predator. I thought the first predator we talked about was Weinstein. Yeah, I guess there's three. Oh, oh, oh boy. Oh god, he's a bad person. Yeah, he deserves it. People, don't feel bad for Weinstein. Um, so, so anyway. Continuing on, you know, Judah's whole thing is against Sarah because she he thinks that she's kind of the key to this whole thing with Ash coming back to life and killing people. So there is like a, a mini showdown between Judah and Sarah, which is dumb as shit. Yeah, it's because, very quick, too. Yeah. So Judah, uh, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia, he gets the power of the crow. <laughs> um, he he drinks crow blood, which is not how you get the power. I don't understand that. Never been that way. Never explained that way. Wasn't like that in the first one. I don't understand how this happens. Yeah. He, he acts like it's a fucking creatine drink or something. And, and you know what I'm saying? He gets a boost. I don't understand. 
Yeah, I don't get it. But he drinks the crow blood and he gains all the powers that Ash has as well. So Sarah stabs him. He doesn't die. And then for whatever reason, instead of fucking running, she charges him. And <laughs> Judah is big. You know, just to put it out there, if I was half of somebody's size and I just stabbed them and they just fucking tanked it, the last thing I'm going to do is be like, well, maybe my body will work. She hits him with that fucking Bobby Boucher water belly tackle. Like, what, do think, what do you think is going to happen to you? Right? So, yeah, he fucking kills her if you didn't get that. If you guys, you know, are, are listening to us this whole time trying to piece this movie together in your head, she doesn't win. If it sounds confusing to you, it's it's just as confusing when you watch it. We're, it doesn't get any easier. Yeah. So bringing ash to to get vengeance and you know do the whole big final fight which is also real crappy um so at one point ash is hung from a lamppost and whipped which i uh, i do I let's don't. just say if this was if this was a you know uh nowadays uh you'd highly look down on a public lynching and whipping as a death in a movie so uh this movie had raped to death and it had lynching just so you know, uh, this is not a good movie. When Nikki said the most disrespectful sequel of all time, it's pretty much up there. As if the quality wasn't bad enough, the content is dog shit. <laughs> so, so just to give everybody the, the final ending of this fight, somehow, somehow in something that's never been done before, Ash calls upon an absolute horde of crows a murder of crows a flurry of crows and they in the shittiest cgi i've ever seen they eat judah but they don't you don't get this you have to assume they eat him you just see judah slowly disappear with fucking horrible cgi there's no like gory scene where they're pecking at him or there's anything like that it's just a horrible scene where he slowly disappears and at this point it doesn't make sense because nick he lost his crow powers at this point. So how the fuck did you just summon a thousand crows? This is what I think happened. I think like how we talked about with Iggy Pop, like maybe they ran out of money. I think this movie originally had under $13 million, right? And they filmed that. And then they were like, we need for the ending scene, we need more money Miramax. And maybe they had like 10 million and Miramax was like, here's another three. I think they ran out right at that crow <laughs> moment. And then they were like, come on, can we get like one more million? And they're like, no, you're done. You're cut off. <laughs> And that's what we got. And then it's the happy ending where they just basically like it's the precursor to the ending of uh, Sons of Anarchy, where he just rides off on his motorcycle and dies and joins uh, Sarah and his dead son. You know, little little village people, man, with his yeah. little ass leather vest. All right, folks. So just this 1996 horrible uh, hunk of horseshit uh, with its disrespectful beginning and and the crow city of angels your sequel sucks and there you go for the third fucking time oh my god done. i will never watch this movie again <laughs> well, no. i have to um let me just point out for all you people listen i guess you could call it uh, you know listen no work goes unnoticed this movie did get two awards all right and i just want to <laughs> say that okay so it was honored with the um, 1997 Fangoria um, Movie Award for Worst Film. Um, and then it was also the winner of the 1996 Stinker Award for the <laughs> sequel nobody was clamoring for. So, hey, no good deed goes undone. 
and did this movie spawn anything? Well, first off, 1997, <laughs> PlayStation, Sega Saturn, and Microsoft Windows, The Crow, City of Angels video game comes out. It's also very, very poorly received. Dude, I think they said that it was the first time a movie with such a low budget was allowed to have a video game as well at simultaneous launch. <laughs> yeah, it broke that record. They said it's the it was the, the cheapest made movie ever allowed to have a video game. I guess. <laughs> I, did they did they think this was good content for a video game? Because this movie, there's only one fucking fight scene. Bro, if you could play as like the little ass kid, that would be kind of funny. Like find a vest <laughs> that fits right or maybe an undershirt. Yep. You level up <laughs> by painting pictures with your fucking dead dad. <laughs> uh, oh, folks. So, and it was also the screenplay was turned into a novel and a graphic novel. I, what the fuck is with this movie where people wanted to do more with it? Yeah, but what Nick doesn't tell you, folks, is yes, it was, but it was later turned into Charmin, and you wipe your ass with it because nobody Ooh. bought it. Oh, <laughs> shit. No, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say, you know, did this movie kill the franchise? It didn't. It didn't kill the franchise. They put out two more fucking movies. <laughs> How does it not kill a franchise? It doesn't. They fucking release. What is it? Straight to uh, straight to video. The Crow Salvation and Wicked Prayer with. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Say those, those actors with Eddie Boy, Edward Furlong and Tara Reid. Bro. Also, David Boreanaz from fucking Bones <laughs> and Buffy is in the fucking movie. What a ca- But you know what's weird? Actually, when you say these movies, remember you mentioned something about a Jesus theme? I just mentioned, I just realized that. City of Angels could be a religious term. Salvation, a religious term. Wicked prayer. Dude, I think they thought they had Jesus. Well, they thought they had something heavenly, bro. But what they really had was a steaming hot pile of coily, ropey shit. <laughs> Uh, well folks uh this is uh this is a movie that we do not recommend i i would be sad if you saw it if you hit us up we want to hear if you saw it in theaters but um by all means this is not a recommendation to do it we we hope that we saved you some time we're at a little over an hour here so we just saved you what would be a half hour of additional dog shit yeah absolutely so um, real quick, everybody, we already said our thank yous in the beginning. You're not going to get another one. And you're not going to get Season of the Witch. We're not doing Season of the Witch. We know you want it. You're not getting it. Well, actually, didn't you, didn't you have an idea when to do Season of the Witch? Yeah. Yeah. Happy fucking... I almost said Happy Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Season of the Witch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, folks. Oh, man. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Pook, where can these people find that beautiful face? Oh, my God. Uh, you can find me at, at Luke Ladley on Instagram. Um, also at Luke Ladley on Twitter. Um, folks, remember, uh, we have our own socials going right now with Your Sequel Sucks. They're starting to get a lot more followers and likes, which is really awesome. Um, it's at YSS Podcast on Instagram and at Your Sequel Sucks on Twitter, Nikki, before I give it to you, I just, I do want to say thank you again to all of our listeners. The fact that we've been getting so much support lately and, you know, a lot of people subscribing, leaving reviews, uh, like Nick mentioned before, the international listener thing is fucking wild. And uh, it's just really cool to see us on all these platforms doing this. And we are, we got great plans for the futures guys. So please stay tuned. Absolutely. You can find me 
at Nick Evans writes on Instagram at Nick Evans writes on uh, Twitter. And what I do want to say is again, if you are a band, if you are a rapper, if you do anything with music, if you make music and you want listeners, reach out to us, your sequel sucks at gmail.com. We want to put your song at the end of these episodes. Um, you know, please make sure, and this isn't calling anybody out, but please make sure it's a, a decent quality. Don't send me like your fucking audio recording that you did on your phone and be like, Hey, here we go. Put this in your, put this in your show. Yeah. If I it sounds like a, show. if it sounds like talk boy from home alone Two, you're just going to get ridiculed. I mean, it's, it's 2020. There's no excuse for that. Don't yeah. send a cassette either. An asshole's going to send a cassette, Nick. I, I feel it. Someone's going to send a cassette. Don't send a cassette. Somebody is going to send me like a fucking audio recording of them shitting their pants. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for it. But that's not what we want. We want to support your music. And speaking of that, if you like the little bit of the song that you get to hear in the intro and outro, that is by Lou Costo. That is Nora Stone. So definitely check them out at Nora Stone Band. Yes, yes, yes. Nora Stone Band, Twitter, Facebook, the band that uh, Nikki and me founded. So there, yeah. it, it comes back with a little bit of a Your Sequels uh, Sucks family with it right there. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for checking us out, everybody. Fuck off. <laughs> Bye. Your Sequel Sucks. It sucks. Your Sequel Sucks. It just really sucks.